Listen, I've got a special guest. He's been patiently waiting and he's watching all my screw ups here, but he is the one and the only a financial advisor from Edward Jones Investments, Brian Piccarello. Good morning and thank you so much for joining me this morning. Hey, Joe. Good morning. All right. Did you catch any of that intro? I caught it all and I'm ready for next Wednesday. I need to, I got a bunch of nuts and bolts that I need to, uh, to make something out of. Beautiful. I'm glad you caught it. And, um, I have no idea that the lights are off on that second camera and you and I were on, you know, before we started broadcasting live and I said, it's every day. It's something, you know, my, my engineer is, is under quarantine. So they didn't make it in. My sound guy didn't make it in. My extra cameraman didn't make it in. And, uh, I'm all alone, man. It's just you and I. Hey, the, the the downfall of live live TV live TV here on Facebook Live. So Brian Piccarillo, financial advisor. Brian, tell me a little bit about yourself. I just learned uh, when we were talking before the show that uh, you're you're originally an Ohio guy, but I could hear this Southern accent, man. Uh, what do you? How long you been here? I'm trying to fit in. I've been here for about five years now. Came down, uh, yeah. So I uh, didn't realize what I was missing with the weather here in North Carolina. So uh, uh, yeah, it was definitely uh, a big move for me. But it's been never go back. Uh, I'm a I'm a North Carolina for life now. So. Yeah, and you're originally from Ohio, right? Originally from like the Pittsburgh area. I went to college in Ohio, so I spent most of my adult life in Ohio. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, I'm with you. The weather here is just. It's insane, man. It's just absolutely gorgeous. Some days I walk around, I go, I got to pinch myself. What am I? They said it's going to be chilly this week. And I'm like, really? (laughs) What is that? That that was the thing I learned when I first came down here. Everybody was wearing coats and I'm in shorts and a t-shirt going, what are you guys talking about? It's not cold. (laughs) That's right. I'm from New York. Are you serious? You want to be cold? Oh my gosh. So, um, and cheers to you. you This is coffee hour, man. We're having coffee together. I appreciate you joining me. And joining us and joining our, our lovely uh, viewing audience because I've got some of the greatest people on earth uh, watching right now. I just I love these people. Um, what made you get into uh, being a financial advisor? I mean, were you a young kid playing the market at 12 years old? I mean, how did you land it? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, should, I wish I was, but uh, I actually have a uh, doctorate in pharmacy and a master's in business. So I actually was in healthcare administration for a while. Um, and my passion has always been really to help people. Uh, I was helping on the healthcare side and working um, to become the CFO at the hospital. And then I realized I just wanted to work with people again. I wanted to work with families and individuals and small businesses and really help, you know, on a one-on-one level versus a corporate level. Uh, looked uh, at what my opportunities were and uh, moved over to Edward Jones and never looked back. Wow. That's, that's quite the transition though. Uh, and you're you're a young guy. I can tell uh, uh, that you, that you're 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 not young enough to switch it up. And that's the beauty of life. You can reinvent yourself, right? And so, did you actually complete your school in, in pharmacy? Yeah, I was uh, I was a pharmacist and then uh, in healthcare administration for true ten years, fifteen years. Wow. Um, yeah, I got my master's in business as well, so that let me get in the uh, admin side of things. But yeah, I did it for a while. Cool. And now you're uh, into the uh, financial side of things, which is um, exciting. Uh, it's been quite the roller coaster. I'm sure you're spending a lot of time consulting with your clients. Uh, I came up with a, a few questions for you. And what I'd like to do is just kind of dive right in and, and let's hit it because 
Uh, I'm sure we've got listeners. I'm my friends are calling me up and they're asking me, "Hey, because I have an I have an Ameritrade account and and I'm the you know there's a saying back when I, I used to be a sales director at a software company and the saying was when Joe Altieri buys you sell. <laughs> okay. And when you, when Joel Terry sells, you buy. Okay. Because I've got the worst track record on earth, man. Oh my gosh. I, I equate it. I equate that, that scenario to when you're driving in the right lane and it's really slow and you get over in the left lane and then that lane starts going slow and everybody in the right side starts passing you. Right. <laughs> I love that analogy because I could relate to that. Um, so let, let's start with what's the hot topic today? What what are you telling your clients? I mean, I'm sure they're calling you up and they're watching things go down and up a little and then down and the money's all over the place. What are you telling them? What are you talking about? The biggest thing I think right now is a lot of people will freeze in fear and, and I'm saying be proactive but make sure you're making logical and timely decisions to help that financial future that you, you, you set up. You've got a strategy. You had a strategy in place before this happened. Uh, no time to derail from that. You really have to take the emotion out of the investing, uh, which can be extremely difficult. And I'm going to repeat, that is the biggest thing for individual investors. If you're not working with somebody, you have to take that emotion out of it because it will lead to bad decisions. Um, and when these markets become volatile, I mean, you, you hate to say it, but there's a lot of opportunities out there. Uh, that are available. I, you know, I, I have a dad that will drive 30 miles to get three cents off a gallon of gas. <laughs> I have the same, uh, cheap. <laughs> I have the same yeah. father. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah. So, but, but he's also the same father that won't buy a stock or a mutual fund because it's on sale. He's, you know, he's, he's questioning why is it so cheap all of a sudden? Right. Um, so it's kind of just getting that philosophy and that mindset out of your head. Um, the biggest, you know, the other, I'm a big analogy guy, sorry, but uh, uh, I also equate it to the boat in choppy waters. If you're sitting on a boat, you're going through a big storm, you jumping off the side of that boat, are you going to stay in, you're going to hold on, <laughs> and you're going to weather that storm until you get through to the other side. Yeah. Um, you, know, you know, you take those analogies, you, you put that into your investing techniques, and you're going to be fine. That's a fantastic analogy, actually, and and I will confess, uh, I'm I'm not a big uh, you know finance guy, and and I never really kind of played those cards, but I did dabble a little bit at work with friends, and we would discuss stocks together, and and I am the worst emotional person on earth, man. Like my boss would yell at me, he's like, "Stop being so emotional." It's like, oh my gosh. My mom, I'm losing money. I better liquidate. And then when it goes back up, I buy it back. <laughs> it's like, what are you doing? He actually said this to me, and, and I think you'll like this analogy. He goes, Joe, you're the guy who goes to Walmart and buys the TV set when it's at its highest price. When it goes on sale, go back and buy two or three TV sets, right? And, and mm -hmm. like your dad, when it goes on sale, it's almost like something's wrong with it. Mm -hmm. Right? Oh man. Yeah. You, you got, you, you hit the nail on the head with that one. That is exactly right. Is that there is this disconnect with how people treat their investments versus how they would treat anything else that they were investing or buying in, uh, in their lives. And, uh, it tends to lead to decisions that they question, you know, why, why can't I get this right? Yeah. So step number one, lose the emotion. <laughs> 
Oh my gosh! Is the market any different today than than uh, twenty years ago, thirty years ago, fifty years ago? I mean, what we're going through right now—we've seen these times before. We have. We t- we we have a lot. I actually was writing them down before this. I, I wrote a bunch down, so I'm gonna I'll run through them all just so you can know how many times something like this has happened. Crash in 1929, a 1937 Fed tightening. Uh, World War II crash, the Eisenhower recession, flash crash of 62, the 66 financial freight, financial crisis, tech crash of 70, uh, the oil embargo in 73, uh, with inflation in 80, the 87 crash, the tech bubble, which is kind of getting into more modern times of 2000, and then the global financial crisis. All have happened, you know, in the history of the market. And guess what? Hundred percent of the time, it has came back. One hundred percent of the time, it is a no, as of today. The market, anytime it has dropped, has always recovered. So I like the number one hundred percent, and and I'm going to stick with the odds <laughs> for now. Stay in the boat, man. Don't jump out of the boat because stay in the boat. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's you yeah. know that that's great advice, and and I I think for some it's easier said than done because they feel like they've lost money when you're not touching the money, you're not using the money. Why not just leave it alone? But, but sometimes it makes sense to maybe move it around. Yeah. No. Yes. You're, you're exactly right. This is the time where you want to, what's what we call diversification. So financial people love to use fancy big words. That mean simple things. It just means spread, spread, spread your risk around. Uh, and make sure you have the proper balances of really whatever your goals are trying to achieve. Now that could be different for every person, depending on how, how much they can stomach that uh, up and down of the market. I call it the Pepto-Bismol effect (laughs) of how queasy do you get when the market moves. Um, And then there's also time horizons of how long do we have to, to let this money, you know, sit in that slow cooker and percolate until, until we have it to a nice uh, place that we want it to be at. Yeah. Well, so when you say diversify, um, you're you're referring to uh, putting your money in different sectors, whether, uh, you know, I've got a little bit over here in technology, I've got so much in my 401k, I've got so much uh, in an IRA, like you should have not only different segments, but also put it in different pockets. I, I, I don't, I'm not describing this right because I am not a financial advisor. Maybe you can explain that. I think you know what I'm trying to say, right? Yep. Yep. It's, uh, you're, you're really, when you're, con- when you're talking about diversification, um, we're not going to necessarily, you know, the accounts are really just going to determine your tax consequences or how the government's going to come at you with stuff. Uh, when we talk about diversification, we're looking at kind of, like you said, the different sectors. So utilities, energy, technology, uh, you know, consumer staples. So you want to get a good mixture of all the different things that are out there because when some are doing well, others aren't doing so well. And we'll get back to that fast car, the fast lane analogy. You, rather than be in one lane all the time, you want to be in all the lanes. So whichever one's moving, you got a little, you've got, you're, you're in that somewhat. You also want to mix it up between what is in the stock market itself and what we call fixed income. And that would be bonds. So things that generate just income, they're not really, uh, moved by the stock market, they're moved by inflation or um, interest rates and things like that. So it's a it's a gentle balance between the two of making sure you have a, a good spread across the board, so you're not missing out on the other the opportunities when they hit um, versus uh, versus if you had everything in one. I call it the all eggs in one basket. 
analogy, right? Right. You put everything in one specific stock or one specific thing and some one thing happens to that company and you could probably name 30 that something has happened right. to over the years. Uh, you know, it, it, it's going to go from a hundred to zero real quick. Uh, versus if you were spread across, you know, 30, 40 different things. Sure. You meant, you mentioned bonds and I don't hear that word a lot. They call them fixed income. Now, again, we, we use fancy words now to <laughs> really, uh, to, uh, to kind of say the same thing. So you hear fixed income, that is the same as a bond. Um, most mutual funds that you're in, when you see that word income or fixed income, they're going to be bought, they're going to actually invest in bonds. Are they popular today? I mean, I mean, I know back in the war days, right? I mean, and again, I'm not a, a, a specialist, but back in the war days, you always, you know, you heard talk in the living room. Your parents talked about war bonds and, and uh, uh, where is it today in a, in a pandemic, in a situation that we're dealing with today? Is that a, a safe bet? They, they, they are still around. Yeah. Still, uh, you know, still kicking. They don't pay the interest rates that they did back then. And I think that's why they don't, you don't hear as much appeal as you used to from them. Um, but that's because the interest rates are low. Um, but they do present a way to protect a lot of things that you have by, by show, giving you more of a consistent income mm-hmm. versus that up and down that you see of the market. Um, so it's a, it's a, a balance to what you're already investing in um, as well. Yeah. Well, that, well, uh, your answer actually was a great segue to my next question. Where are we with interest rates? I mean, you, you, you mentioned that the bonds, um, obviously were more popular back then when interest rates were high. What's the industry saying right now about interest rates? I mean, where are we today? Where are we going? I think the thing that you're hearing a lot, uh, and this is, uh, you know, spoke about a president a few times is talking about negative interest rates and the concern of will interest rates ever go negative, meaning uh, that if you are putting money into something, you'd actually have to pay interest versus get interest back. Um, we don't see that happening. There is very limited success across the um, world of that actually working. Um, so there are just way better ways for um us to stimulate the economy in a situation like we're in today. Uh, the Fed, and you're seeing that now, the Federal Reserve will actually just go out and purchase things. So purchase bonds, purchase different securities that are out there to create a stimulus, which actually has been shown to be way more effective. So what we really see with the rates is this consistent low of where they're at now. We don't see many changes coming with that until really this fear uh, of this virus situation and what is going to the economy kind of goes away. So we kind of predict interest rates to kind of stick where they are level, stay low, but not go negative um, just because there's other tools in the toolbox to uh, help the economy. Right. I I watched, um, I don't know, one of the news shows and they were talking about uh, somebody had asked a question that I probably would have asked uh, of saying, you know what, what are we doing? Are we just printing money? Like, like we're going to give away trillions of dollars and every business owner is going to get a loan and every house is going to get a check in the mail. And, you know, I sit there and go, where's this money coming from? And, and don't worry about it. If you can't pay it back, it, we're not gonna worry about that right now. But what does that say for two years from now, all of a sudden uh, the, the United States is completely broke. I mean, I don't know. I don't even know what to make out of it. Where does the money come from? Where is it a good idea? I don't know. It, it is a good thing in that what you don't want to create is the cycle of, um, of not 
keeping the economy going. Uh, about 70% of our economy is based on me and you and everybody else spending money. So if we're not doing that, that, that is a huge, has a huge impact. So, you know, kind of what you're saying, our, our country, um, going broke, which, you know, I, I think we're resilient. We're strong. The economy is strong regardless of what's going on, but I don't see that occurring. Um, but you know, the, the money is printed, but then in time, in good times, it's kind of put back into the barn. So what we see is once we get out of this and things are going well again, um, you know, you pay a little bit more in different areas to kind of get that down or you, or you, you tighten your belt from a government standpoint and, and budget. There's, you know, there's a whole bunch of different ways to approach it. Uh, we've all heard them all. You kind of fit into two camps. One is the government spends less and gets that under control, or we give more to the government so they could pay it down. But those are pretty much your two camps that you can kind of, fit into when you look at it or analyze it. That's actually a, a very good point. Uh, when you mentioned the last thing you want is, is uh, for the citizens to stop spending money. I mean, and obviously businesses across the United States right now, across the world, it's, it's not just a United States thing. Uh, businesses across the world right now, when people aren't leaving their houses and they're not spending money, it has a, a, major impact but but the impact on the business owner um i don't know if this is a road you want to go down and i and i hopefully you could shed some light what if you're a business owner today and you know you and i are sitting here talking about investments the business owner is going i don't have a dime right now i can't even open my doors tomorrow what do they do yeah so the the government has released the cares act i mean it's getting all the attention right now it, however, it's very confusing and time consuming and you're getting a lot of information uh, and trying to figure out what's right or wrong. Um, there's a couple of things small business owners can do, and this includes nonprofits, independent contractors, or the sole proprietors uh, in the world that just work for themselves. They can apply for what they call an emergency disaster relief loan through the SBA. SBA.gov is the website. Um, they can use them to basically pay themselves. Uh, it's essentially a loan of $10,000 that can be forgiven uh, if they use it for their business, uh, mortgages, rents, keeping the doors open, basically. Um, if, they, if they don't use it for that, so let's say somebody just takes it out as a business owner and uses it for their own personal enjoyment, uh, they're going to have to pay it back at a 1% interest rate. So the interest rates are even really low if you did have to pay it back for some reason because you wanted to use it for other things. Um, there also is the payment or the paycheck protection loan, which if you want to keep your employees, um, it, it will also be forgiven and it will cover up to two months of your average payroll plus an additional 25% for those rent utilities as well. So those are those you have to apply those through your bank that you do business with. Uh, so reach out to them, whatever bank that would be, and they'll guide you on what forms you need to fill out for that. Uh, but there's two ways to kind of get money out. Uh, you are also allowed to tap any kind of retirement savings you had. So if you are a small business owner that worked at a company before or had a retirement plan set up, you can borrow from that or take out from that without penalty. Um, so and you, you have that ability now that you're not going to get hit with a bunch of penalties and fees that typically would exist if you were to raise your retirement accounts. So it's typically a last case scenario uh, for people, but it is available and you can actually put it back in if you, without any penalty over the next three years as well. 
Um, so you could take it out in the hopes to put it back in and not have any kind of, you know, taxation or anything on that. Can I ask you to define one thing that you said when, because yeah. <laughs> I hear this term a lot. You said, you know, you can go as a small business owner, a contractor, wherever you fall and get a loan that is forgiven. What is, mm-hmm. what does forgiven mean? Because <laughs> I hear this on TV and I go, what does that mean? Is it a loan or are you just giving me money? You're going to forgive me? Thank you. I'm sorry. I mean, what? It is, it is initially a loan contingent at the, in June, when they ask you, they're going to ask for documentation say, what did you spend their money on? If you can show them the appropriate documentation to show that you used it for what it's agreed upon, it then turns into a grant and is forgiven in the sense they don't make you pay back. So the government pays it at that point for you. So why wouldn't a, a business owner go for that? I think a lot of times what it is is the frustration of filling out the forms, right? Some right. people, you know, don't want to take the time. I mean, the, the, the form takes anywhere between a half an hour to an hour to fill out. It requires a lot of information of digging out your tax documents and figuring out what your payrolls were and your, your revenue was from last year, things like that, uh, that people um, just don't necessarily sit down and do or get confused on and don't reach out to anybody for help. I think that's where I could come in. You know, it, I have a lot of my small business owners call me and we're walking through the form together and say, what does this mean? Because if you call the SBA, you're going to sit on the phone for four and a half hours before you get through and B, they're not really going to give you good information of what they're actually talking about to fill out. So it's having somebody that can help you with the questions you just don't know the answers to, um, that, uh, is reliable and, and understands the forms. Yeah. Wow. You, you, thank you very much. You, you have a great way of uh, clarifying things, man. They make this so confusing and, and I don't know, you made it sound so easy, but it's, it's really easy when you call your financial advisor and say, help, right? That's what you're here for. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> um, you know, Brian, I want to touch on a, a segment that uh, I think sometimes uh, as a parent, you know, I have a 23 year old at home and, he actually said to me the other day, he calls me up, he goes, dad, I want to learn how to play the stock market. And I'm like, you know, do you have a job? <laughs> <laughs> which, which he does. He, he's a great kid and, he's, and he does have a job. But, you know, I think uh, our youth today, uh, they watch, you know, stocks come down, obviously some great deals. They're on sale right now, as uh, a lot of people say, right? But what about our youth today? What, let's say a kid graduated college, just got his first job as a school teacher. He's in year number one, and all he knows is this massive student loan, and I got to put gas in my car. What should they be thinking in terms of investments? So I'm going to take a step back and say anytime I sit down with a new grad or, or a college student about to grad, I'm going to say make sure you have your – debt structured to where you're getting the lowest interest payments possible. So making sure you look at what you're paying on your debt and figuring out, is that the best way to eliminate it, get rid of it. And typically that involves how much interest is, am I, how much am I giving to the bank versus paying on, on principle, making sure you have a good budget that you're not overspending. Um, So basically, you know, giving out more than you're bringing in uh, making sure that's set and then developing an emergency fund. 
and making sure you understand what that is. I think this is a prime example of where emergency funds are huge for people, right? Uh, if you're a small business owner or a young person or anybody for that matter, if you had six months to a year sitting in your emergency fund, you would be okay with everything going on at this time and saying, you know what, I can get through this until everything settles down. What I found is most people skip that step because they think they're, it's all about the investing at that point. Um, and then what happens is then they sell all their investments at low prices, like you said, right. because they need the money. Uh, versus letting it sit there and do what it's supposed to do. Um, that's really the foundation. You know, if you, when you put money into investments, your plan shouldn't be that this is also going to get me out of a jam if I need it. Investments should really be for your long-term strategy of whatever your goal is. Um, and it should, it should kind of sit on the side and almost forget about it to a degree. Right. Um, and because you have all these other funds set up to to uh, pay for it. Uh, make sure through the CARES Act that we talked about, they understand money's entitled to them through things. So there's different ways that jobs or, or even the government will give them money. So when they're first graduating, there might be jobs they can take that will forgive their student loans for them. Um, that's always a possibility. And then time is huge. Being that young, uh, in your 20s, well, man, I wish, I, wish I was back in my 20s and knew what I did now, right? Oh, my gosh. Uh, I'm, li I'm it, listening it, to it, you talk, and I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm listening to you talk, and I can't stop focusing in on, I wish I knew this guy when I was 25 years old. I'm 55. I, I, wish, I, yeah. <laughs> I wish I knew me when I was 25. Right? Right. Seriously, how do we get our youth to talk to someone like you and study what you're saying and understand it and have the discipline? I mean, at, my son is 23, right? At 23 years old, mm -hmm. he could retire at 55 years old if he plays his cards right. Mm -hmm. So I, if, if you started in your twenties and, and were able to take $500 a month and put it in a retirement account, um, get an average return on the market. Um, when you retire, you'd have about, uh, we would estimate you have about $2 million in your account. <laughs> yeah. I just got, I feel like I just got kicked in the stomach. <laughs> How about when you're 55 years old, how much will I have when I retire? <laughs> hey, there's a number for everybody, but, but that's, that's a, usually an eye opener for younger individuals. So we're not talking about, you know, if you're consistently working and have a job, you know, and that includes company matches as well. If you're at a company with a match, you know, if you can score away 500 and it's boring, I'm not saying, I'm not telling you to, we're going to pick the next big thing. I'm not, I'm just saying if we got average market returns, um, you're going to be, you're going to have that. And, and it, it's boring, but it works. It's, it's a, a process and a strategy that's worked since the beginning of the market. Yeah. So, uh, I'm going to stick with that. Yeah. Hey, that's, that's a, that's great advice. I think the problem, at least I'll speak for myself when I'm 23 years old, <laughs> are you serious? Like, I actually one time, and I don't even know if I want to admit this on, on my morning show, but I'm going to because everybody knows that I'm a really nice individual now, right? And I was a nice individual then. But one day we sat down and we figured out if we, if we drank $200 a month starting on high school graduation day, how much money would we have? We literally sat around the table one day and figured this out. And how much money would I have in my pocket today? It was a lot of money. It was like over $100,000. And I sit there and go, wow, 
if I only didn't drink, <laughs> right? I mean, you, you don't realize those, you know, $25 here, $50 here. You really don't realize how that adds up. And then when you can put it in a, in a market and put it in the right place and have the interest take over and grow, uh, who thinks of that when you're, when you're 23 years old, right? None of us do. <laughs> <laughs> that's the problem with this country, Brian. We have to help the youth, man. <laughs> that, 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 that is why I'm here. I, I I love working with new grads because their their eyes are wide, their ambitions are high, and they, the opportunities are, are amazing if they stick with the right strategies and and like you said, kind of understand. It doesn't seem like a lot now, but it will be a lot later. Yeah, yeah, you are absolutely right. I want to touch on. Uh, recession mm -hmm. you know I'm, I'm a morning show positive upbeat let's feel great start your day wake up to the vibe let's talk about a recession <laughs> right it's just yeah. kind, kind of an oxymoron <laughs> can you shed some light on on the word in general and tell me where are we yeah. where are we going what's going on yeah so yeah i, I we we, the, the, the word gets thrown around a lot and we're starting to see that. So a recession is basically just the slowing of the economy instead of growth. So instead of up, we're going down with growth in our economy. Um, we see that in the first quarter and we predict that again with the second quarter. And that's because we're social distancing. We're staying at home and businesses are suffering. I think there's a lot of us, you know, suffering out there and um, it's really in the efforts to contain this coronavirus, but we believe that the market will rebound. We were, we were a strong economy before this virus just hit us. Right. The thing, you know, you, you look, you, it, it seems like forever ago, but two months ago, we were all, we were running around and, yeah. and things were, were Fat and happy. coming along. Yeah. And things felt good. yeah. Yeah. Things felt good. And then we kind of hit this. So as things return to normalcy, remember what I told you, uh, most of our economy is based on consumer spending. So once people get out there again, and I don't know about you, but I cannot wait to go to a restaurant and eat or I just, I, I said to Michelle yesterday, I just want to go out to breakfast. It's my, the one mm -hmm. meal I love to sit down in a restaurant and, and have a nice omelet. I mean, it's just, yeah, I can't wait, man. Yeah. So, so it's, um, you know, the, I, when things go back to normal, we're going to, we, we expect it to kind of pump back up. Um, and those are the bigger points that we're not seeing that we didn't see in past situations. Like people bring up the depression or things of that nature. Um, you know, the economy is in great shape. The government has actually put a lot of money into the market, which typically we didn't see in previous times. They've been very proactive in trying to get people money right. and help businesses and help individuals. Um, and then the other thing I remember, I'll, I'll kind of go back into investments again, your investments and your money isn't the market. So if we're talking about the market, remember that, that, you know, what you're invested in doesn't necessarily reflect what's happening in the stock market and, and the economy as well. So you've got to keep that in mind as well. Well, I think that's the advantage of having a financial advisor on your side. So you have your own identity, your own you know, your own game, your own strategy. Don't just follow the market. Don't just, because they're all doing this, you should be doing this. I mean, that can lead you down a, 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 a 
road to ruin <laughs> in some cases, right? Reach out and get yourself a financial advisor and play your cards right. Do you have to have a lot of money to get a financial advisor? I know that's a crazy question, but like, like, and, and again, I'm, my brain is going back to the youth. I mean, can somebody go to a financial advisor with a couple thousand dollars or, or do you need to have 10 grand? Nope. I, I, you, a, anybody can go to a financial advisor. I, I honestly being biased in a situation, I believe everybody, regardless of your socioeconomic status needs a financial advisor. Um, you know, I'm a person of, I don't know everything, but if I can find somebody that knows more of me about it, more than me about it, I'm going to say, give me every, every piece of advice you can and help me out in any way you can. Yeah. Be a sponge. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, it, it is a common misconception. You have, you need a lot of money to work with a financial advisor. You don't, you just need to have a understanding that you're going to them as a partner and somebody that wants to do everything they can to better your life. And they're going to help you develop those strategies and those tools that you need. And it's, you know, it's really, you're the CEO of your own company. Uh, you're just bringing in somebody to help you with it. Um, but you know, like I said earlier, I work with a lot of new grads here from UNC Duke, um, just because when they're just starting out, they need a lot of help of understanding, um, what is the right thing to do? What doesn't make a lot of sense because, you know, you, you, you hear the bad stories out there of people being taken advantage of with, right. with situations of what they're investing in or what they're sold or things like that. Um, so, you know, it's more critical than ever, kind of like you were saying, a decision you make early in life can impact you for the next 30, 40, 50 years. Right. Right. Um, had you taken your, your drinking money and, uh, <laughs> invested that, <laughs> you know, you, you know, you know, you'd be sitting on a, uh, a few million dollars right now on it, you so, know, but you don't, you don't look at it that way. Something tells me I am not going to live that example down by many of my <laughs> listeners. <laughs> But but it painted a picture, right? I got the message out there, right? <laughs> Give up your drinking money. You don't need another cigar. <laughs> oh man, Brian, I'm gonna let you uh, give out your contact information um, and and uh, let us know uh, how we can reach you. I mean, I'm sure. Are you limited uh, by laws and policies to help people only in your region, your state? Like, can you help a guy in Ohio or someone in New York? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I work with clients all across the United States, uh, California, all the way through New York, uh, Florida. So I'm in, I'm in every corner. Um, I am a, you know, the way our advising service works is I am a personal financial advisor to those that I work with. So you don't have an 800 number. You call me directly. Uh, I come visit you. We do web conferences, um, things of that nature, but I can work with anybody across the country. So I have people everywhere, uh, all over the place. Excellent. How does one get a hold of you? You can always call my office. Uh, that number is 919-968-2176. Uh, look me up on the internet, Brian Piccarello. Uh, you can always email me as well. Brian, B-R-Y-A-N dot Piccarello, P-I-C-C. I R I L L O at edwardjones.com. Um, right now, like I said, everything is complimentary. I think that's another question that people ask. Hey, how much are you going to, you going to send me a bill? No, I I'm here to help people right now in this situation. So any questions you have, anything with a dollar sign on it, be happy to answer any questions or, or help out anybody I can. 
Outstanding. Man, you gave some great information today, and uh, it was very nice meeting you and having coffee with you this morning. I've learned a lot, and yesterday I learned on uh, how to step up my game with style. <laughs> She did a fancy. I, I, I saw that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm I'm just becoming a new man under this quarantine. I'm coming. I'm going to leave this uh-huh. this house a completely different person, and I, I'm I'm going to start managing my money properly. I'm going to dress right. This is good stuff, man. I really appreciate you taking the time at seven in the morning and and joining me here on Wake Up to the Vibe. Nah, thanks, Joe. I appreciate you giving me the time. If you ever need anything, you know, you know how to get out of me. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Ladies and gentlemen, don't go away, Brian. I'm gonna we're gonna chat for a second once I exit the show, but I got a couple things to say. So kind of just hang tight with me if you could. 